Yeah, it's not possible to talk to kids. Pray and dismiss. We're in First Thessalonians, the whole first chapter. Don't worry, it's only ten verses, so it's not really so long as this morning we're going to. We've been going through a series of messages called Being the Church. September 16th to 11th, we want to have a lay renewal weekend, which is an opportunity for us. That first weekend is known as awakening. It's just an opportunity for us to come together and remember Jesus, to be drawn again, you know, back when our hearts were fresh to the Lord. I I think of David in uh, Psalm 51, 12. You know, David, man, he had messed up so bad. I don't spend all the time going through all his mess-ups. He's pretty well documented. But as you get in Psalm 51, I love verse 12 because he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. How many of you long to see Jesus with fresh eyes and, and to experience him in a fresh way? And the second part of the verse says, And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. It's like, Lord, I'll stray from you. I do what I don't, I shouldn't do. It seems like there's this battle. And of course, Paul talks about it. Give me a willing spirit to sustain me in that walk with you. This morning, as we continue the series, I, I want to go through these series on the church until we come that weekend, September 16th through 18th. This morning, we're going to talk about how to behave. And so let's uh, turn to First Thessalonians. I'll ask when you find that if you will stand in our God's honor as I read the chapter. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. Your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. With the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Let's pray. Master, as we bow before you, we just confess we desperately need you. Holy Spirit, I... I beg you, Father, to continue to work in this hour set aside for you. Take the weakness of my words, Holy Spirit. Infuse your power, Lord. We just need to hear from you, to love you, to follow you. 
Um, God, we need you. So I pray for the anointing of your spirit, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Stories told of a young man who saw this Amish couple in a horse and buggy. They stopped and he began a conversation with them. He said, I've always wanted to meet an Amish couple. It's such a thrill to talk to you guys. And the wife said, she's hard of hearing, so she says, what, 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 did, what do you want? What do you, what do you say? And the husband said, he said he was thrilled to meet us, honey. He wants to meet us. So, so the young man went on. He said, so do you farm nearby? He said, yes, we have a farm real close, just, just down the road here. What, what did he say, honey? What did he say? He asked if we had a farm nearby, and I told him, yes, we farm just down the road. He asked, do you have any children? Yes, we have uh, seven boys and three girls that live in the area that we get to see. What did what, he say? He asked about our children. I told him about our, our children. Finally, the young man said, you know, I have to confess. A few years ago, I dated an Amish girl. And I really loved her. But I had to break off with her because, to be honest with you, she was so bossy and irritating, always wanting to tell me what to do, and she would never let me make up my own mind. Uh, what'd he say? What'd he say? He said he thinks he knows you, dear. Uh, boy, churches can get in trouble, and so can preachers. You know, it's interesting if you look at how groups are organized and the names that we have given. It's kind of interesting. You have a group of fish, it's called a school. A group of clams, it's called a bed. A group of bats, a colony. A group of deer is known as a herd, a herd of deer. A group of sheep is a flock. A group of bees is a swarm. A group of hyenas is a clan. A group of lions is a pride. A group of wolves is a pack. And a group of alligators is a congregation. Now, just a thought as we think about alligators. Uh, they got big mouths, lots of teeth, and they eat people. Kind of a scary thing in terms of a congregation. But how are we as the people of God who gather together, not to stay here, but to go out in obedience to God? To come, to worship Him, to be encouraged in the truth, and to go forth in the power of the Spirit to share. And we want to look at our scripture today, and we'll look at three primary truths that the Thessalonian church demonstrated for us. It's interesting as you look at the church of Thessalonica. I mean, they're a great role model. For how to behave, how, how God's people are to act. And, and, and let's look at the first one here. The first characteristic is simply mimic faithful role models. Look at verse 6. He says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Imitators. He said, you, you guys are to imitate Christ. But you're also to find someone who has a deep love for Christ and to follow them 
as well. Paul was saying, watch my life. Watch my passion for Jesus and, and, and model that. It, imitate that. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, it's interesting. You get a little further down in this section of Scripture. And we're told that they too are to be, verse 7, so you became a model to all believers. You see, that's what is to happen. Is that as a person follows the Lord, his person becomes a role, this person becomes a role model as well to follow and to have an impact. Isn't it remarkable as we think about children as they learn to talk? Not only do they pick up the words from their parents, but the accent and the inflection of their voices and the physical gestures of their parents as they learn to talk. And all of us, in one way or another, serve as an influence. And the question needs to be, are we a stumbling block or are we a stepping stone in that influence? Because all of us, where God sends us, and we have the idea the missionaries are someone who is on the other side of the world, but God literally calls all of us to be missionaries. He has placed us, not by accident, but for a purpose where we are. And, and He wants us to see that and to mimic faithful role models and to become faithful role models to share that truth. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, He says, Be imitators of me as I follow Christ. That's Paul's heart. Secondly, model joyful responses. Look at the second part of verse 6. In spite of severe suffering, you welcome the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Severe suffering could also be translated intense pressure. What he is saying here is it it was not easy for you to follow Christ. There was intense pressure that you were under, but you were faithful to follow Christ regardless of this intense pressure. And the picture here is he said you welcomed the word under that intense pressure. You welcomed the word of God in your life. You welcomed the message. I thought of Psalm 119, the largest chapter in the Bible. And it's verse after verse after verse where the ancient songwriter says, God, I want to follow you. God, I want to keep your law. I I, want to put to practice your statutes and and your truth, God. I want to leak Jesus in the way that I live. And, And I thought about what Jesus himself said. He said that he... Who loves me, whoever loves me, will keep my commands. You see, loving God is, is not a disconnect from following Him. Matter of fact, it's the sure sign of, of loving Him is that you do what He says. The obedience quotient. And, and so the picture here is it's the welcome mat for the Word. God, I, I want your Word to be welcome in my life. Not to be a stranger. Not to be an outcast. Not to be a problem. <laughs> But to be a precious, not just guest, but a welcome part of my life. And he says when that happens, notice what happens through the work of the Holy Spirit. He says there's joy. Joy that is given by the Holy Spirit. Back in the days of the early church, 
there was a letter written by a friend of Dionysius. Then I'll read to you part of this letter that describes Christians. He himself wasn't a Christian, but he was describing the Christians that he saw. He said, Christians are not distinguished from other men by country, language, nor by the customs they observe. They do not inhabit cities of their own, use a particular way of speaking, or lead a life marked by curiosity. Yet they display to us their wonderful and admittedly striking way of life. They live, but they do not do so as those who are passing, but they do so as those who are passing through. As citizens, they participate with others, yet they endure everything as if they were foreigners. They marry like everyone else, and they have children, but they do not destroy their offspring. They share a common table, but not a common bed. They love all men, but are not condemned by all men. They're put to death. They're poor. They lack everything, but overflow in everything. They're dishonored, spoken ill of, reviled. They're insulted and repay the insult with respect. They do good, but are punished as evildoers. And when punished, they rejoice as if they were raised from the dead. In verse 7, he talks about that as they served as a model. He says, and so you became a model to all believers. And the picture here of a model is, is like the mark left by the blow of a hammer. As it hits its target. Or as the die cast of, of, that would stamp in the impression on a coin. Would leave that permanent impression on the coin. They were to be models stamped with the Lord Jesus Christ upon their lives. Regardless of the tribulation that was around them. Earl Palmer, a pastor who also teaches in a high school in California, talked about working with the high school orchestra. And they attempt to do Beethoven's Ninth Symphony every year. And I'm going to read to you what, uh, what he wrote, what Earl wrote. He said, I wouldn't be surprised if the performance made old Ludwig roll over in his grave. You might ask, why bother? Why inflict on those poor kids and their parents the terrible burden of trying to render what the immortal Beethoven had in mind? Not even a great symphony orchestra can attain that perfection. My answer is this. The Milpitas High School Orchestra will give some people in the audience their only encounter with Beethoven's great ninth symphony. Far from perfection. It is nevertheless the only way they will ever hear Beethoven's message. We're not perfect either. We're weak. But in our weakness, he is strong. In our feeble attempts, God shines. And, and, and you, Well, I can't do this. Yeah, you can you just you follow God and you, you trust Him and you look at those who are following God to be encouraged. One last one here. Motivate spiritual reformation. Look at verse 8 in our text. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. That phrase rang out in speaking of the Lord's message was often used of a trumpet that could be heard a large distance from where the trumpet was played. And, and the picture here is that it was, it, it was 
a warning. It was a, a signal. It was, it was a message that, that rang out clearly and it was heard to provide hope. And that that message was spreading everywhere. The message of the gospel that was spreading. Look at verse 9 as he describes this. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You see, it was a time of reformation for them. They, they lived in a society that didn't have room for God. A society not different from our society, where there was all kinds of evident sin and, and a disregard for what we consider right and wrong and and simple obedience to God. And in the midst of that, they continued to follow God. You see, the truth is, every idol is really nothing more than a reflection of our own self-worship. And their message was, it is not about self-worship, it is about worshiping God in the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in an area where Everybody's so worried about their appearance, their bodies, their desires, their pleasures, their successes. They're trying to beat the aging process and to stay young. How to dress the body, fulfill pleasures, improve, pamper the body. I ran across an article speaking about missionaries who own a goal to change the world. These missionaries met in Madrid... They were called Cosmo Missionaries to push Cosmopolitan Magazine. And I want to read to you their message that they strive to get out there. It says, they strive to offer advice to women around the world on beauty, relationships, success, and especially sexual pleasure. All over the world. They are giving this message. Matter of fact, here, here's some of the stats on that. It says, through 64 international editions, the magazine spread sex stories to 100 million teens and young women about the size of what would be the world's 12th largest country. It's an influence. The magazine sells in over 100 nations, even where any discussion of sexual pleasure is taboo. And I listen to the words of the editor. She closes that article. She said... Every Cosmo reader expects to have herself and her pleasures taken care of because that's what they deserve. But the message that rang out in a culture without God, a culture similar to the Cosmo culture of today, and, and even more depraved, even further into depravity, the message rang out from the Thessalonian church. Guys, you are following the wrong gods. You are worshiping a dead end. You're obsessed with a decaying body. You're worshiping yourself instead of the one who created you. It is empty and it is a dead end. You should turn to the one true God. To find the hope that he promises. Notice uh, as he closes the chapter, he says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. We're to wait. It, it occurred to me um, in studying the chapter 
that as we trumpet the good news of Jesus Christ. Because our desire is for that message to ring out where we go, where we live. We're waiting for another trumpet to blow. A trumpet that will sound when it's time to call the church home. A trumpet that will sound at the moment that He will meet us. What a glorious time that will be. Close with this illustration from Sam Gordon, um, who tells a story about a tourist who was in Italy visiting a magnificent mansion and gardens. Um, It wasn't open for tourists at the time, but he pushed through the gate and he saw how exquisite the gardens were, how someone had taken care of them to great detail. The flowers blooming with a rainbow of extravagant color and flower beds and shrubbery that had been carefully manicured. He, he ran across a gardener who was on his knees, <laughs> clipping by hand blades of grass in one section of the lawn. And here's what he, he said to him. I hope you don't mind a visitor having a look at your gardens. The gardener replied, you're more than welcome. I'm glad to have a guest, have company. The visitor continued, he he toured the grounds and on the way back he stopped and he talked again to this gardener and he said, is the owner here today? I'm afraid not, the gardener replied, he's away. Well, when was the last time you saw him? The gardener laughed and he said, almost 12 years ago. You mean this enchanting place has been empty for 12 years? That's correct, the gardener replied. The inquisitive tourist asked, well, who tells you what to do? The gardener explained the owner had an agent who communicated with him. But do you ever see the owner personally? Still clipping, pruning, trimming every detail, the gardener answered, never. He just sends instructions through his agent. The tourist couldn't believe his ears. You've kept it so beautiful, so pristine. It it looks like you're expecting him tomorrow. The gardener straightened up, and he looked at his guest with a smile, and he said, oh, no, sir, not tomorrow. I expect him to come today. Let's pray. Father, we are your church, God. May we look for you, Lord. You have looked down and you saw our predicament. And thus you died upon a cross, Lord. You conquered death and you raised to life. You sit at the right hand of the Father. And you provide us with the blessed Holy Spirit to empower us to ring out the gospel, to blow the trumpet of the good news of Jesus Christ that there is hope. And Father, I do pray uh, maybe there's someone here that has never responded to that beautiful music, Lord. A message of Jesus that says, I want to forgive you. I want to give you a confidence that you can be with me for eternity and, and that you can be fully forgiven and restored. What a great message that is, Father. I pray that if someone's missed that, that maybe today be the day it makes sense and that they would trust you and find new life and a new start and a new hope, Lord. And for the rest of us, Father, who have already made that decision and followed you as you wooed us, Holy Spirit, and we saw our sin and came and found forgiveness, paid for at Calvary, Father, I... I pray for us that, um, Father, we might be looking for our Master to return.
Father, awaken us. Give us your strength. Give us your heart, God. This time that we call response, invitation, I, I just pray, Father, we'd be open to you. As you want us to respond, may we respond. Whether it's to come to an altar to pray and make a decision. Or decide right where we are, Father, by the movement of your spirit. Or, Father, maybe um, you want us to come forward to make a, a decision before the congregation, Father. What is it you want to do in our lives? I just ask that you have freedom to move among us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.